0: Everybody, welcome to another episode of Say What Again Billy Podcast. In a few more weeks, we'll be gaining some daylight. The spring season is upon us. We are going to have warmer weather coming. The snow is starting to melt. Today's actually not a bad day in New York. Yesterday was pretty cold. If you're on the East Coast, you're starting to notice at 6.15 the sun is setting. So that's a really good sign that spring is almost here. Next week I actually checked the 10-day forecast for New York, the Bronx, where I'm located. And there's actually two days next week that it looks like it's going to be in the 60s, which is a great thing. So that's a plus side because a lot of us, especially some of my dear friends and family, we need it after the week we just had. We had a very tragic accident with a really good friend, a brother, an uncle, a father who passed away in a really tragic accident. So we're hoping the weather gets nicer and we're hoping the times get brighter because it has been a really tough week for a lot of us. That are associated with myself, and for the family of our friend that we lost. So, anyways, in this episode that we're getting into, I've always alluded to some of my paranormal stuff, my ghost group that I used to have, my paranormal research group. I have spoke briefly on how I got into the paranormal. So I wanted to actually take an episode to let my listeners know what got me into the paranormal what got me to make my own group, what TV shows I used to watch, what movies sparked my interest, um, how and when exactly I got into the paranormal, and basically give my listeners on my 13th episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast, how exactly I got into this spooky, weird, paranormal stuff, and where I gained some of my knowledge, and some of the evidence I've actually collected through the years I have been into the paranormal. So we are going to get into basically a little autobiography of myself so when i was growing up my mom was the one who got my interest going in the paranormal her favorite holiday was halloween when halloween came about she would put up all these decorations in our apartment where we lived at the time and would really make it feel like it was halloween She was heavy into the original horror movies and the original horror creatures, if you want to call them that. Dracula, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Werewolf, the Blob, the original. All that she was heavy into. She loved the paranormal. She loved the horror movies. She loved Halloween. And she was the one that, in fact, got me interested in ghosts, UFOs, and all of that stuff. Now, I didn't really believe in all this stuff off the bat. There was an episode on my podcast already that I explained when I really started learning and getting into everything and believing it was a UFO sighting that happened to me. I really won't touch that because I already spoke about it, but I didn't really believe in this stuff, but it caught my interest. Now, at the time when I was growing up, I was born in 86. I'm 34 years old. I was born in 1986, December 6, 1986. There was not a lot of shows out there that had paranormal. There was very little. But there was one particular show that basically started everything and really got me going besides from having my mom liking this stuff. And that was Unsolved Mystery. Unsolved Mysteries was a show that talked about really morbid and crazy stuff like murders, people going missing. But occasionally on that show, there was the occasional ghost story or the story or reports of UFOs. And that sparked my interest. I remember watching the show with my mom, and whenever they started speaking about things that were really mysterious or really strange, I would always pay attention and acknowledge the episode and kind of take in what they had to say. Now, later on, after discovering Unsolved Mysteries, I believe the Sci-Fi Channel had a show called Sightings. I think it was Sci-Fi. could have been Fox 5. This was many, many years ago, probably when I was like 7, 8, Um but sightings was the modern-day paranormal caught on tape. It was basically what paranormal caught on tape is now. It would be subjects or stories, and people would talk about it, and it was just this person saw a ghost, and they took this photo, and they would talk about it, and this UFO sighting happened here. Here's the video uh, footage of it, and they would talk about it. So it was actually one of the first shows, to my knowledge, That started everything that's on Travel Channel, Discovery, Netflix, everything that's on those stations and those streaming services now. This show was basically the foundation to that. And a lot of people forgot about this show. I don't go, I go on Twitter and YouTube and I do. You know, networking. I try to see other people that are interested in things I'm interested in. I try to look at other paranormal researchers and investigators and YouTube pages, and no one really mentions the show sightings. It's like a forgotten show. And I know I'm not that old, but that was a great show. And if you're into, you know, the things that I'm into, that was the show that set it off for me. I I will never forget that show. Sightings had so much good stuff on it. And then it got to a point where it was just rerun after rerun, and I stopped watching it. And eventually it just fell off the the networks, you know. I didn't see it anymore. But Sightings was a show that, right after Unsolved Mysteries, I found that show, and I was tuned in 24-7. I was checking the TV guides on paper, because this was like, you know, mid-90s, late-90s. And... I would never miss an episode. Eventually, and I could tell you for a fact what channel it was on, a show came out, and this is actually a meme, believe it or not, this guy that hosted the show, was one of the guys from Star Trek, um, he hosted this show called Beyond Belief, and Beyond Belief was a show where there was five or four stories told, and the stories were, you know, they were all crazy, they were all, all not believable, but... In an episode, there was five stories told and you had to distinguish which one was fact or which one was fiction. And at the end of the show, they would basically give a short clip of all the stories that were told and they would tell you fact or fiction. And some of the stories that you would think were fiction ended up being fact. Some of the stories that you really thought were believable were fiction. And I loved watching that show. That show, I can even tell you what day and time it was on. Because that was one of my favorite shows. I would say Sightings and then Beyond Belief. If we're going to go on favorite shows from back in the day, Beyond Belief was right there. It was on Fridays at 8 o'clock at night. I was tuned in. Everyone else was watching TGIF, playing video games, or maybe at a friend's house, getting ready for a sleepover. I was tuned into Fox 5, Beyond Belief, 8 o'clock, because that was my jam. And, um, that was, you know, one of the shows that really got me going into paranormal and I used to love watching that show. And some of the stories to this day, I don't believe, but according to the Star Trek guy, I'm sorry, his name is just slipping my mind right now. Um, these stories that he said were fact were factual and, um, I want to tune in on a fire stick to these, that show and see if I can find it and actually research some of the things that they said were fact to see if I can actually look up the actual story. But if you do have access to some form of a fire stick or you can see that show on YouTube, type in Beyond Belief um, and watch it. It's really good. It's still good to this day. And the host of the show actually became a meme. So there you go. Um, Later on after that, in '95, I had mentioned on another podcast, an earlier podcast episode, I had seen a UFO. And I would say right after I seen the UFO, uh, I really became a believer in everything. You know, prior to seeing the UFO, I didn't really believe in ghosts. I didn't really believe in UFOs. But seeing it firsthand, experiencing it with my family really got me to the level like, wow, this is the real deal. This is real. This, this I saw a UFO. All the stuff I've seen on sightings, all the stuff that I saw on Beyond Belief and Unsolved Mysteries, I actually witnessed it. So that day, 1995, over Janal's Tower on Bronxdale Avenue on Halloween night, that day is what set me to be a believer and really get me going into another level of liking the paranormal. Now later on down the road... In, I would say, 2001 or 2002, I had got to the level where I was studying ghosts. I was buying books and I was reading them. And again, I mentioned on an earlier podcast episode, I had bought a book by a author named Troy Taylor, who's a paranormal investigator, paranormal researcher, and I had bought his book and I had studied the book from the front cover to the end of the book and learned a lot about ghosts because i said if i had seen a ufo somewhere down the line i might encounter or experience a ghost and there has been so many ghost stories in my family that i you know i would suppose they would be real but after reading the book and watching other things on tv and now the internet at this time in 2000 is starting to really tick up and become a thing, you know, I would go on the computer, I would read the books, and I would just hoard in all the knowledge and really start putting it out there and looking into things. And eventually, I had met a bunch of my friends, and they had similar interests in this stuff, and I formed a group called the IUH. The IUH stood for Investigations of Unexplained Happenings. And I formed this group, I had bought equipment. I had bought EMF meters. I had bought a Geiger counter from World War II, which Geiger counters uh, is an instrument to pick up radiation, which in the world of ghost hunting, you don't see it too much anymore, but they said that there could be some paranormal evidence or You could pick up stuff with the Geiger counter because maybe radioactivity would be a source of picking up ghosts and stuff like that. You don't see it too much anymore at all really on Paranormal Investigations, but I had bought a Geiger counter. I had bought headsets. I had bought motion sensors. I had bought everything. And I had formed my own group. And the reason I formed my own group was I actually wanted to start going into the field and putting my knowledge to the test and see if I can get evidence. I can get EVPs, electro voice phenomena. I can detect something on the meters I bought. And I formed this group and we would predominantly have meetings every other week. And we would try to look for places to go. The idea of this group came from a show called The Lone Gunman. And again, I had told you guys this on an earlier podcast. The Lone Gunman was a spinoff show to the X-Files. They were three guys who would have a newspaper similar to the bogus newspapers you can find in the supermarket. And they would put out things they found on the field in this newspaper, and they'd get themselves into trouble because sometimes they would stumble upon things they would write about that would be too much information, and sometimes the government would go after them and so on and so forth. This show was the basic idea. I got got the idea of forming the group from this show, even though they really didn't have a ghost group. What they did with their newspaper and how they investigated everything gave me the idea, like, this is cool. I'm going to use this. And I started my group. And that show was The Lone Gunman. Again, it was also a spin off of The X Files. Didn't really run that long. They ended up uh, ending the show on The show X Files. And I remember the ending to that. And then later on down the road, um, when X Files kind of rebirthed itself for like a little mini series, um, one of the guys from The Lone Gunman. Uh, John Langley, I believe his name was, the character. He was on the X-Files Rebirth episodes. But I got my group going, and we had went and researched a lot of places. We had went to Sparta Cemetery in Sleepy Hollow, New York. Uh, Sparta Cemetery, Sleepy Hollow, New York. There was a legend of a traveler, wanderer, who would go basically from northeast, like connecticut all the way down to like pennsylvania jersey um and even further past that and he would stop in at a local bar in tarrytown sleepy hollow new york and he would travel throughout the winter and his face would become so cracked and cold from traveling in the cold climate that they donned the name the Leatherman to him and i had researched the story and i told my group hey we got to go to Sparta Cemetery because supposedly this leather man is buried in Sparta Cemetery and there is a ghost story of him still walking around where he used to roam to this day. So we have to go to Sparta Cemetery and we have to find his grave. And I went to Sparta Cemetery twice the first time I took one of my first members in the group, which he really did join the group because he was my best friend. I don't think this guy to this day has any interest in the paranormal. Anthony, if you're listening, you know I love you, kid, but I'm going to blow your spot up yet again because I've done it before on earlier episodes. We went to Sparta Cemetery during the day. Um, you know We were still young, so his mother actually drove us there. And she's a saint because she actually waited in the car for us to go do our little ghost investigation. And we went around the cemetery with the meters, checking out tombstones, trying to find the tombstone of the, of the leather man. We took pictures near the Sparta Cemetery sign and, you know, we were there for about maybe an hour and a half, an hour, just, you know, roaming around the cemetery as kids. I'm surprised no cop came and was like, what are you guys doing? But we ended up going back home, developing the film at the time was 35 millimeter film and we actually caught, um, and I still have the pictures to this day buried somewhere in my mom's garage. We actually caught the image of a face in the wood staring at me near the sign in Sparta Cemetery. It was either me or my friend standing in front of the sign, uh, my friend Anthony. And you could see it clear as day in the tree. You can make out a face. And then if you look at, One of the tombstones we took a photo of, it appears to have a face on it too. Now, I I spoke about matrixing. It it could have well been that. I wasn't the one who found the face in the picture. My mom would like kind of proofread my homework and proof view my photos that I would take in the investigation group. And she's the one that pointed it out. Maybe because she pointed it out, it it looks like a face to me. And it still looks like a face to this day because I, I remember where it is in the photo but it wasn't just one photo there was actually another photo with either me or him my friend anthony in front of the sign where there was three figures you can make out three figures in between the trees and you know we had gotten you know a lot of things on photos faces on tombstones and it was a lot and i put those photos aside and i said well this could be something i wasn't fully convinced so we were going to go back and we went back on a snowy day with more people from my group it was me it was my friend Matt, my friend Mike, who's always kind of been a non-believer in paranormal in general. He has different views to this day. We still talk and, and talk about these things. And so I w- I'm going to have him on one day. He's going to be on the other side of what I, the side that I'm on believing in this stuff. He gives a more scientific uh, viewpoint. Um, but it was me, him, Matt, and a girl in our group named Christina at the time. And we would go around and we would take photos. And we really didn't pick up anything on that trip back to Sparta Cemetery. But we did actually realize that within certain photos, we had gotten redness or a red mist almost on only five or four photos in a particular area of the cemetery. Every other photo came out okay. But within five photos that were in the same area there was this redness on the snow and I looked at all the other photos they were fine but in this area where this I guess tomb had been like knocked over or messed up there was redness around the photo in the snow and it was not in any of the other photos except that area in five photos in different angles and I want to say there was something on the tombstone too in one of those photos from the second visit But I don't really remember fully, but we had went there twice, and that was some of the stuff that my group had found in Sparta Cemetery. If you had listened to my Gettysburg, Pennsylvania episode, I had went there twice with my family, and we experienced crazy, crazy things there. Um, I won't get into it. I had already spoke about it, but Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, I was there twice, and there was a ton of paranormal activity One story I didn't tell on the Gettysburg, Pennsylvania episode was I was at, I'm pretty sure I was at Cemetery Hill where President Lincoln had gave the Gettysburg Address. My parents had went off with my brother and they were doing, I guess, dinner or lunch or something and I said to them, I want to go walk around and explore. I want to do this. I want a video. I want to get some stuff. I'll meet you back at a certain time and they allowed me to and I did. And I thought I was at Cemetery Hill where President Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address. And I had wanted to put my camera down and take readings with my meter. And I remember when I went to go put my camera down and I got back up to like pan the area with my meter, I felt someone touch me on my shoulder three times, like a tap, you know. And I turned around and nothing was there. And I always remember that to this day because you know, it's just, it's in my head, like, I really did feel someone touch me, and it was broad daylight, this was during the day, this wasn't any of the other stuff that I had spoke about on the other podcast episode, this was, like, during the day, everything else I spoke about, it was towards dusk, it was in the Farnsworth house, a lot of crazy things, um, I had taken a picture of the Jenny Wade house, and a photo came out of a silhouette of a woman in the Civil War style dress, pretty much, like, within feet of the actual Jenny Wade statue. It wasn't a shadow. It wasn't a uh, shadow cast from the sun. I got a lot of evidence in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Um, Locally in our neighborhood, we had a tree that someone hit the tree. It was some form of a car accident. And people believed that they could see the Virgin Mary in the tree. So my group heard about this, and this was actually a local thing. And we went to the area with our equipment and we had spoke to people and they were actually kind of impressed and surprised that kids this young, we were now this at this point in time for this investigation. It was like, I would say later teens. We had went over there and we were investigating. And they were surprised that kids in their teenagers was, was doing this type of stuff, like really trying to pinpoint if this was anything paranormal. Well, newsflash, no, it wasn't. It was a big, big form of matrixing. It looked like the Virgin Mary, the tree is still there. And it wasn't anything religious or miraculous, but it was in the papers and we explored it. Um, We had did an investigation um, on one of our team members' uh, apartments. I don't think anything was going on there. Um, One of my team members was heavy into this Wiccan stuff and I was there and he was doing things and I think that was really one of our joke (laughs) investigations. But, um, you know, we as a group had went to a lot of places um we had a web page for a time i had a guy in the group who was really good with computers and he had made a web page and it was good all our stuff was on there and actually as of recently i think like last year um the server we were using finally like you know it's gone it's no more and I can't access or it's it's gone. The page is gone now. But I was accessing the page as for memories for years and years, showing people like, yeah, this is what I did. You know, this was my group. This was my group. And, um, you know, it's gone now, so I don't have that. So now I have to actually go into my mom's garage and pull out all my old photos so that, you know, because I have an Instagram page, swap underscore podcast, S-W-A-B underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I want to actually post some of my um, older photos and see if my listeners see what I see. I actually posted on my Instagram page um, one of our older videos of Sparta Cemetery. So if you um, get around to my page and check that out, it's one of my most recent posts. So I had formed my group. Um, I, I told you guys about the shows that got me interested. Um, and my mom, my, my mother, was the one who really ignited this interest into the paranormal. Now, within the last few years, I really tried to get into the paranormal um, ghost investigation aspect. And I've actually had two things pop up where I was actually able to take out my equipment... Or go to an area that was supposedly haunted. Um, I remember. I would say this was about maybe anywhere from eight to nine years ago. Um, and yeah, I know I said it's recent, but you know, to me it is. I had actually asked somebody that wasn't involved or not in, not interested in the paranormal and wasn't involved with my group to come with me to a supposed haunted incident, and the person told me that their daughter was doing weird things around the hours of 3 o'clock in the morning. And one of the weird things that she was doing that he told me, and I, I'm, I'm swearing by this, this is what this man told me, is his daughter was going into the refrigerator in, at 3 o'clock in the morning, taking raw meat and eating it and going back to bed. That this guy would go into his daughter's room and see her laying in bed with raw meat. And she would also say that there's a man in her room staring at her. So he found me through a mutual friend and I said, I will come and check this out because this sounds not great. You know, this doesn't sound good. Let me see if there's any truth to it so I can, you know, let you know what's going on because anytime a paranormal investigator hears something about a little girl, a little boy or something happening to a kid, I feel like a lot of them want to make sure that there's truth to this. They can, you know, give the family some clarity like, yeah, you're not nuts. This is actually going on. The rule to paranormal investigating is never go alone. So I had brought someone that had no interest in it. It was a friend of mine, Andrew. And it was, a, again, a Friday night. And he goes, I am going to go with you, but I can't believe on a Friday night this is what we're doing. So I brought a couple of pieces of equipment. I brought a EMF meter. I bought a motion sensor. And I had brought a voice recorder. And we went to this house in Jamaica, Queens, New York. And we set up our equipment. They spoke to us when we got there about everything that's that was going on and whatnot. Broke down the story. Um, it was the winter, so all of us came there. We were dressed you know, with our clothes. And all of us, I want to make a note to this so that when I get deeper into the story, I can tell you everything. We all had winter boots on. All of us had Timberlands on that day. So we go into the room, and we're checking out the girls' room in the house with the lights off. And I have my voice recorder, you know, recording. And I said to, you know, whatever was there, I says, you know, we're going to be here till three o'clock in the morning. You can't bother the little girl tonight because she's not here. We're here. So I let the recorder keep on recording. And then I, you know, stopped it and I wanted to replay it and see if I caught anything. So my friend Andrew was sitting on the floor. I had taught him really briefly how to use the EMF meter. And I put the voice recorder to my ear and see if I caught anything EVP-wise on the recorder. And I heard something say after I said out loud, you know we're going to be here till 3 in the morning. You can't bother the little girl. We're going to be here, not her. I heard on the EVP, on the recording, something respond in a deep voice, no, like that. And I said, oh, shit. And my boy got scared and he jumped. You know, mind you, he's not into this stuff. He's not one of the original members of my group. At this point, my group had kind of like, you know, did their own things. Everyone grew up a little bit. And I'm like, you got to listen to this. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to press play. And I want you to tell me, what did you hear? And he's listening. He has the voice recorder to his ear. And he hears me ask the question. And then he pays attention. and He looks up at me. And he basically lips the phrase WTF. And I go to him, that wasn't you, right? Like, you didn't say anything. Because I was telling him, be quiet, I'm going to record. And he shook his head no. And he got a little spooked out. And we ended up leaving that room with the motion sensors on. I had set up motion sensors. And we told... The gentleman, the you know, the father to the little girl, what we had just picked up, and we replayed it for him, and he like kind of was like, "Wow, what is that?" So we sat down the hall from this little girl's room. It was basically the layout to the apartment was a, um, it was a hallway with. Two rooms on one side on the right hand side. The kitchen was on the left hand side, pretty open, spaced out, and then another room all the way to the back to the left, and the bathroom was somewhere in there. And the living room was down the hall, um, with their entertainment area, and we were sitting on the couch. Now it was late, it was like, you know, at this point in time, quarter to three in the morning. And we had shut all everything's in darkness. We had shut the lights off. We had left the kids' room, we had left the motion sensor on, it was alarmed, it was armed. And, um, we're in the living room and the gentleman to the house was actually with us just being very quiet and he was kind of nodding out and we heard footsteps coming down the hall. and my boy Andrew was like, what is that? Do you hear that? Like, it sounds like footsteps. And I said, yeah, but we're sitting still and there's no one upstairs, you know, because it was like an apartment complex kind of thing, you know, three story apartment, uh, building and he's getting... Really, really freaked out because he's not into this stuff. I don't think he even believed it. Um, Best believe afterwards he did. But he's starting to shake the guy awake and say, Hey, there's something walking down your hallway. Like He's getting really nervous now. And then all of a sudden, at around 10 to 3, shortly after this footstep incident, the alarm in this girl's room goes off. There's no one in there. The only way that motion sensor would go off was a temperature change, which it had temperature gauges to detect the temperature change, and if something was moving around in there, and they were pretty good uh, motion sensors that I had bought, and it starts going off, you know, and I get up, and I say to Andrew, all right, we got to go in there, we got to check it out, and he's like, bro, I am not going in that room, I'll never forget what he said to me, because bro, I will never go in that room. I'm not going in there. I'm staying right here. You got things talking to you that aren't in the room. You got motion sensors going off with no one in the room. He's like, I'm not going in there. So I went into the room by myself with my EMF meter. I disarmed the alarm and I sat in the room and tried to get some, some, you know, some readings. Eventually, what I did is I actually set the voice recorder in the room recording. And I re-alarmed the motion sensor. And this is now about quarter after three, about 3.15 in the morning. So I left my voice recorder in there. I left the alarm on to the motion sensor. And I went back outside and sat down in the same spot in the living room down the hall from the girl's room. Well, after I did that, within 10 minutes, the alarm went off again. And my boy's freaking out now. He's like about had it. And I go back into the room. I actually put the light on at this point because now I'm getting freaked out because there's nothing in there. The batteries were brand new batteries. I had went right after work to buy brand new batteries for everything. And I shut the alarm off. I pick up the voice recorder. I press stop on the voice recorder. And I took the time with the lights on now. The investigation's over because we're getting spooked. Well, at least he is. And I play back the voice recorder from that incident. And you hear something walking around in the room. And then the motion sensor goes off, so there was definitely something going on in that house. Whether, you know, whether they believe something was wrong or whatever, I remember reaching back out to this person through my mutual friend and says, you know, has anything happened ever since? And they he said no, but that day there was weird things happening that I could not explain. You know, logically could not explain. I can't explain, and this is what most ghost investigators do. If they don't have a logical Answer to why things are happening, and they can't debunk it. Then there's something going on, and I to this day could not explain that. So it's funny because one of my better indoor investigations happened when my group kind of went their separate ways, and I went and took a random friend of mine from high school and grammar school. We had went to grammar school and high school together, and I made him a believer. He was like, "Bro, I will never forget that you definitely made me a believer from investigating." Um. Now, this is my most recent one. Um, I have a half a brother. My father was previously married. Um, my half brother is older than me. He's 41 years old now. And he had always told me when we had met up, because you know I try to keep all my family close, that his girlfriend's house is wanted. And I remember going to see him for his birthday one year and taking him out for dinner and whatnot. And... And going back to his, where he, you know, he moved in with his girlfriend eventually to this house that supposedly haunted. And I remember saying to him, I'm like, you know, hey, didn't you say this house is haunted? You know, I'm finally in the house and, you know, tell me what goes on. And he would tell me a whole bunch of things like windows closing and opening by themselves and hearing footsteps and a whole bunch of things. So now that I was finally in the house after hearing all these stories elsewhere when we had met up in, you know, other places, I said, you know what? I said, um, you guys want to try recording something and see if you catch something? Because you know, his his girlfriend was like, "Yeah, you know, let's let's see if it's really haunted." She gave me the whole history of the house too. This particular house that they live in is one of the oldest and um, has the most property in a area in Westchester. I'm not going to say where because I don't want to you know air out their their living situation or where they live, but it has the biggest area in this particular city uh, or town in in Westchester. And the history of this individual that owned the house uh, is a pretty crazy one. Um, the individual that owned the house and and ended up passing away there is JC Leindecker. So if you guys are listening and you want to google JC Leindecker, I would suggest um, googling his name because it's a really big history with this guy. but um you know we were there and I says, you know let's let's run my voice recorder on my phone and see if we pick up anything. And the first time we did it, I, did it with, my, with the lights on, and I was just like, is there anything here? And I cut it after like 50 seconds, a minute, just to see if anything would respond within that minute. And sure enough, there was a unidentified sound that had played back in the audio. It sounded almost like a duck, like a toy duck. So when I played this out loud on my speakerphone, his girlfriend and him looked at me and was like, what is that? And I said, I don't know. It sounded like a toy duck going off. And to this day, I still have this audio and the audio I'm about to tell you about. So I was like, we looked around, we jumped on the couch, we stepped on the wood floors, we walked around, we tried to recreate this sound, and no, nothing we did could recreate the sound that we picked up. So then we went to the extent of turning the lights off in the house and directly calling to J.C. Leindecker, who was the person that built the house and lived there and ended up eventually dying on the property and I heard something in my ear and I had told my half-brother and his girlfriend when I'm doing the recording if you want to partake in asking questions in this EVP session just put your hand up so that I can point to you to ask the question so we don't conflict with the audio you know I was very um particular about not picking up something that could have been us and I'm asking questions and after I ask a question I said to him uh, or this entity I said I know you made that sound that duck sound are you in the room or something to that extent and at that point physically right there on the spot I heard something in my ear now when you do EVP recordings it's actually very rare for a paranormal investigator to actually hear a disembodied voice. You usually hear it when you play the audio back. I heard something in my ear. And I remember clicking on a flashlight that they had and they had given me because we were doing this with the lights off this time. First time we did it with the lights on. But now we were like in business now. We picked up something. We want to do it with the lights off. And I remember hearing this thing in my ear and I clicked the light on to his girlfriend and I asked her first. I said, was that you? And she goes, what? I says, I heard something. Was that you? And you hear her in the recording say no. And I asked my brother. His name is Robert. I said, Robert, was that you? And he goes, no. So I had the audio still playing, uh, actually recording. And I put I looked at the timestamp and I put down 4.16, 4.15, 4 minutes, 15 seconds. Go check out that audio around that mark. And we did. And I heard something very faintly three times. The first two times you can hear it, the third time not so much. And you can hear something whispering to me. And then I turned to my brother and said, listen to here, right here at this point. Do you hear anything? And he looked up at me and he says, it sounds like something's telling you to get out. Now I physically heard it when it happened. Before I played it back on the audio, I had caught an EVP in my brother's house. Not one, but two. And one of the EVPs was something repeating itself to me to get out and I actually at that point physically heard it like it wasn't just I played it back and heard it I heard it when it was telling me but I couldn't make out what it was until I played the audio back and to this day I still have this audio so after this scenario planned down, this was actually just a few years ago it wasn't like eight years ago when I went out to um, Jamaica Queens the little girl's room to investigate that I started getting more interested in the paranormal and watching shows, and now currently, I have a podcast that I'm giving my listeners news, updates, my stories, elaborating on subjects, trying to teach you know anyone listening. Um, I have a podcast now and I have you know my interest in going on investigations again if the opportunity prevent presents itself I have all my equipment still to this day I'd have to maybe buy a couple of new things if I ever did it you actually don't need much to do paranormal investigations but after that thing at my half-brother's house I got more into the paranormal because I actually had stopped doing my ghost group and I found myself in a situation where I was using my skills that I learned at my half-brother's house to pick up an EVP. And it got me basically, it was like a re-spark in my love for the paranormal. So I talked about what got me interested, what parent got me interested. I talked about some of my experiences um, by myself, experiences with my group. Why do I like the paranormal? Well, I like the paranormal because it's the unknown. It gives me this... I like that scared feeling. I like to be interested in hearing these stories, you know. None of us know what happens for a fact. You have religion. You have faith. Faith is what keeps us going in life. We have the faith that there is a God and there is a Jesus or whatever religion you are focused in, that when things end here, we go to a better place. And I am a believer in that, even though at times like this week, it's hard to believe in, you know, in religion or, you know, why he does things that he does. But there is, I do have the faith and I do have religion and, but I want to know why so many people say they see and hear certain things. Why do people have ghost stories? It doesn't matter where you go. You will hear a ghost story in every state, in every country, every city, every town. You will hear a ghost story. Why are so many people um, saying they saw UFOs? Why do so many people have a Bigfoot story, have another cryptid story? I like that. I like that people talk about this stuff and a lot of people have experiences. And I like that people still don't believe there could be possibilities of things out there. That's why I like the paranormal. I like the unknown. I like to look and try to find answers because, you know, one day there's going to be a person that loves the paranormal and they're going to find some substantial evidence. And there is evidence out there that's pretty good that scientists can't even prove that if it's fake or real, they just say, we can't say anything about this. But one day there's going to be a situation where... Someone finds substantial evidence and it's going to be blown open. Like we're kind of touching base on the whole UFO thing right now. You know, the, 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 the government has released the disclosure that they are acknowledging that UFOs are real. I spoke about that before. So we're coming to a point where, you know, one day someone's going to find something really, really good and it's going to be put out there. And it's, you know, everyone's discretion to believe whether or not it's real or not. But I like the unknown. I like looking. I like listening. I like, you know, doing the research. And, you know, if I had more time in in life and, you know, I wasn't really a family man or I do get the opportunity to venture off, I would like to go and investigate things, you know? I always say if someone says to me, hey, I know you're into this stuff, can you come take a look at something? I would be the first one there, granted on my time or if my wife allows me. Because when I came home from my half brother's house that day, I had mentioned what happened, calling her on the way home, and she does not like this stuff. I will say it in every podcast episode. She does not like this stuff, and I told her to put some salt at the door in a line, and she did, and she wasted a whole fresh container of salt um, because of the experience that I came home from. But um, I, this has you know, just been my experience, what got me into it, what shows I watched. You know, I was a big Ghostbuster fan. Obviously, Ghostbusters is one of the greatest, not the 2016 Ghostbusters. That was, to me, the worst. But Ghostbusters to me was something that really got me wanting to be a Ghostbuster. Now, obviously, you can't get a proton pack and start shooting ghosts, but you can go investigate them. So this is my my passion that I grew up like acknowledging and listening and watching TV, learning about it, and this is just something that I always liked, you know? I just don't like ghosts. I'm into martial arts. I'm into the gym. I'm into baseball, softball, bowling, things like that. But this is just something that You can have this conversation almost anywhere, anytime, with anyone, and someone out there will have a story that matches you, or have an experience that they cannot um, pinpoint why it happened, or they don't have a reasonable explanation for it, and I love that stuff. And this whole episode is just a summary of why I got into it, and why I like it, and why I am now talking to you, my listeners, about it. So, this has been another episode of Say What Again Billy Podcast. I am on Instagram. Again, my Instagram name is Swab S-W-A-B underscore podcast and it's the same thing for my Twitter. My Twitter is S-W-A-B underscore podcast that's Swab underscore podcast. Stands for Say What Again Billy Podcast. Um, You can tweet me, message me on there. You can check out the Instagram, comment on stuff on there. Um, You can email me anything, any news. I am on there. I try to tweet out my recent episodes my upcoming episodes i would like to thank the anchor app for giving me the opportunity to do this podcast and reach out to people and tell my story and until next time this has been another episode of say what again billy podcast